pastors are forever trying to figure out how to motivate the sheep that have been entrusted to them. Let me turn this around for a second. How can you energize your pastor? As cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from a far country. That's Proverbs 25, 25. God has graced our church's ministry, which is on the border of Washington, D.C., to serve people in distant lands. We have hundreds of sermons uploaded to YouTube. Outside of the United States, the primary watchers of our sermons come from the Philippines and India. And interestingly, through that outreach, we have gleaned a missionary from each of those countries. It is such a privilege when I think of my brothers and sisters, sons and daughters in the faith across these far lands some of whom turn to us for discipleship and training. But every once in a while, a glitch occurs. There's a typhoon in the Philippines or a problem in India, and our communication is cut off because their internet is down. So you wait and you pray and you, you, you ask God to keep them safe and you wonder how they are doing. And all of a sudden... Word comes through that they are fine spiritually and physically and you come alive. That might describe how the Apostle Paul feels as you're turning with me the first Thessalonians chapter three. He had been separated from the Thessalonian saints uh, because as he had brought them the gospel several months later, persecution drove him out of town and he sends Timothy to learn about their spiritual status. How are they doing? Uh, let me toss two questions your way uh, before I read to you first Thessalonians three, six through 10. Number one, how can you energize your spiritual leaders? In other words, what can you do to energize, motivate, stimulate your spiritual leaders. Number two, what steps can you take to stabilize your disciples? First, Thessalonians chapter three, verses six through 10. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, and brought us good news of your faith and love, and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us, as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you? For all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God, night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the heart of the Apostle Paul. 
it beat for those that he served. And it beat and came alive, so to speak, when he got good news. May that describe our hearts as well concerning our relationship with those that we disciple. Bless our study for your great namesake. I ask in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, the word but shows a contrast. Paul is moving from the past. Back in chapter 2 and verse 1, he described to the Thessalonian saints, reminding them of how he and Silas and then later Timothy acted among them. And then also about his struggle in chapter 3, 1 through 5, because he had to know how they were doing. We are now taken to the present. And look at the word now, placed strategically in our text, emphatically, if you will. It's an adverb of time speaking of the present. Paul, according to Acts chapter 18, was in Corinth. He was waiting to get report on how these saints were doing, and Timothy brought him this great news, because look at these words, and, and let these resonate in your mind, and brought us good news of your faith and love. One word in the Greek, brought us good news. Compound term means good proclamation good proclamation good news catch the number here everyone because it's important to what i'm about to say 55 times this greek verb comes from the greek new testament to us in the new testament 55 times 54 out of the 55 uses Refer to the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom or the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. Paul could have used another term, but he chose to use that same term referring to the preaching of the gospel. Here, referring to the good news that when Timothy came back to him, it so elevated Paul's spirit that he uses the same term. I find that fascinating. What was the good news concerning your faith and love? Both terms, faith and then love, have the definite article, the, placed before them, showing specificity and distinction. But also, if you will, encapsulates their Christian lives. Perhaps we could put it together from Galatians chapter 5 in verse 6. But faith working through love. Faith. An important concept in the book of 1 Thessalonians. Go back with me to chapter 3, verse 2. Paul says, and sent Timothy, our brother, and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. It was essential to Paul 
to make sure that these saints were growing in their faith. And also still in chapter 3, verse 5, for this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith. See, Paul had to know how they were doing, how they were maturing in the faith. So here, Timothy comes with good news of their faith, but notice number two, and their love. A direction of the will toward God, stating that he is their all and all. That's who these saints are have put their affection toward the living and true God. Paul continues, and that you always have good remembrance of us. The present tense verb have. What is it that they have? A good recollection of Paul, Silas, and Timothy. That's what happens, child of God. When you influence the saints to grow in their faith and their love, they will remember you. You will leave an impact on their minds that they can recall. And here's the question. What influence do you leave upon those to whom you minister The same word remembrance here is found in Philippians chapter 1 in verse 3. Paul writes during house arrest, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. We should live in such a way that we are close to the heart of God. Growing in our faith, maturing in our love, that we leave a profound influence upon all those who come upon our path. So they remember us well, greatly desiring to see us. The term here, greatly desiring, used nine times from the Greek New Testament, has the preposition affixed to it. It's an intensifier. And then the word yearn to earnestly desire think about this timothy comes has good news of the thessalonians faith and love and that they have a good recollection a good remembrance of paul silas and timothy and they wanted to see paul and silas again the term I long, I long, I yearn, I greatly desire, first appears in Romans chapter 1, in verse 11. Paul says, for I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. Paul wanted to be with the saints in Rome. Then in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 8, For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And then to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, 4, Greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. Paul wanted to be with the saints, 
they wanted to be with him because it says, as we also to see you. That should be what happens in a Christian life. As we walk in a light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with whom? With one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, the son cleanses us from all sin. As we are close to God and then have contact with the other saints, we should all want to be together. It's what happens when our hearts are right with God and one another. And then we have the word here in verse seven. Therefore, for this reason. It shows the reason why Paul is consoled or encouraged from Timothy's report. And I love the term here, brethren, literally from the same womb. Don't ever just bypass this word in your thinking. Understand what the death of Jesus Christ has done for us. He has enlarged our family, all who have believed on Christ because of his death, his shed blood, and that he conquered death, all are brought into the family of God, and we are now brethren. And Paul continues, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. Paul knew affliction. He knew distress. Let me break this down for you here. So did the Thessalonians, right? The word affliction here means to be pressured, to be squeezed. The Thessalonians themselves in 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, they receive the word, but how? In much affliction, And then in chapter 3, in verse 3, Paul says that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. See, they were kindred spirits. They both, Paul and the saints of Thessalonica, knew suffering, but also distress. By the way, distress here is linked with affliction by one article, bringing the two together. So we have two facets of the same circumstance that is given here. So there was affliction. There was distress. But when Paul heard that these saints were thriving in their Christian lives, he and Silas were comforted. Parakaleo is the idea of the word comforted here. It's the idea to be called alongside of. It can carry the idea as translated here to be comforted or can also be translated to be encouraged. Both concepts are true, but perhaps the latter is what is emphasized. Why? Because down in verse eight, for now we live. If you stand fast in the Lord, in other words, Paul was holding his breath, so to speak, waiting to hear how these saints were doing. When the good news came, what happens? He comes to life. He is energized. He is motivated by this good news. Why? Because they were growing in their 
faith. And again, faith is such an important concept in this book. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. See the little word for? It gives the reason why Paul thrived and not just survived. For now, at the present moment, we live. Let me illustrate this uh, for you. You've heard the expression, long live the king. (laughs) From the Greek translation of the Old Testament, in 1 Samuel 10, 24, come the words, long live the king. See, it's not just that you might have a long life, king, but that you might thrive, that you might prosper. Paul says, now we live if you stand fast. Emphatically, the you is placed here. He longs for them to stand fast, not to be moved in their Christian lives. And by the way, this is why God has given pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, that you be no more children, babes, as it says in Ephesians 4, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. God has given gifts to the local church, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, so that you can stand firm in the faith. Paul's longing is that these individuals stand fast. Stand fast here. Same term used in Mark eleven twenty five of men standing to pray. And elsewhere to be fixed, to stand fast, if you will, in the faith. For instance, in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, stand fast in the faith, writes Paul. But notice here that they are standing fast, but it is in the Lord, in the realm of being with the Lord. Consider your position. Ephesians 1, 3, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing where in the heavenly places in Christ, our position places us sitting with the sinless son of God, the God man at the right hand of the father and all that Christ is blessed with. So are we we have no lack of mercy of grace of long suffering why because we are in the realm of christ this is what paul is saying to these thessalonian saints so here's our first point energize your spiritual leaders by remaining steadfast in the faith. Please don't forget the use of the term concerning the good news. The good news, 54 out of 55 times, 
refers to the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom or the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul uses the term concerning the report that was brought to him from Timothy about the Thessalonians. It energized him. It brought him, so to speak, back to life because in 3.8, for now we live. See, we thrive if you stand fast in the Lord. This is so true, child of God. Pastors have no greater joy than to hear that their children walk in truth. You want to stoke your pastors? You want to energize them? You want to motivate them? You just stand fast in the Lord. Let them hear about your witness to your neighbors, your co-workers, your unsafe family. Let them hear the reports concerning how you are growing and maturing and daily in the word and in prayer. When they hear of you thriving, they will be energized because this is what they live for. So energize your spiritual leaders by remaining steadfast in the faith. Number two, thank God for the saints growth while seeking their complete maturity. Paul is at a loss for words. Verse nine, for what thanks can we render to God for you? The four here connects the previous section where Paul is getting the wonderful news with his thanksgiving. He doesn't know how to fully express to God just how grateful he is that the saints are maturing in the faith. He says, what thanks can we render to God for whom for you? Paul had an aversion to speaking in first person singular, I. Even in chapter 3 and verse 1, when we began this chapter, he says, therefore, when we could no longer endure it, he did not have Silas and Timothy because he had dispatched them on other key missions. It's not until you come down to verse 5, he says, for this reason, when I could no longer endure if you take out a highlighter, a pencil or a pen, and highlight the word you or your, verses 6 through 10, you will find those words used 10 times. Think about this. For what thanks can we render to God for you? Paul was not about I. He was about you. That's what we need to be about. In Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ and to die, gain. Christ is our number one priority. Let a man deny himself, take up his cross, and follow as an apprentice me. But then when we come to the faith and our God is our all in all, it will be manifested in how we love 
one another. Jesus instructed the 12 that if they want to be great, they need to be the servant or the slave of all. It's about you. And that's where he begins in Philippians chapter 2. A couple of ladies having some issues. And he tells them that everyone should not look out for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. That's you. And then he says, let this mind, let this attitude, and that's an imperative, that's a command, be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Christ died for you. And now we need to live for others. See, a man needs to deny himself, take up the cross and follow Jesus. And when do you find your life? When you lose it. When you understand that we are given the great commission to go and make disciples of all the nations. That's your mission in life, period. Is to train others to find the lost and then train the found for the glory of God. That summarizes why you are here, child of God. It's about you. So Paul says, I'm at a loss. I don't know how to fully express to the Lord how thankful I am for you for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God. Paul cared greatly for these saints. He sacrificed for them, even during his afflictions and distress. He was encouraged when he had heard how well they were doing. Notice in verse 10, as we close out our section of scripture, night and day. He's not talking about two set periods of time, but showing continually. It's the idea of 1 Thessalonians 5.17, without ceasing pray. Notice this, night and day praying exceedingly. It speaks here about a fervent prayer. The term praying means to ask, beg, express one's need. In Luke chapter 22, in verse 32, Luke records, but I have prayed for you. Speaking of Jesus's prayer for Peter, I have prayed for you that you were singular there, that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, because Jesus knew and even predicted Peter would deny him three times, strengthen your Brethren, he's not only praying in our context here in first Thessalonians 310, but it's exceedingly the root idea of exceedingly means abundantly. But then it has not just one, but two prepositions affixed to the term. The one means out of and the other states above or beyond abundantly above measure exceeding all bounds let me give you a verse where this exact term is found ephesians three twenty. now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think 
according to the power that works in us. This is how Paul prayed for these saints with the purpose. See the word that to see your face. He wanted to have that eye to eye contact with them. Why? To perfect. It means to render something to its right condition. He wanted to make them firm, make them fixed in what is lacking in your faith. Now, this is so intriguing to me. Because here, the Thessalonian saints, it says, were lacking. They were individuals that were growing in their faith. It's so very clear when you study from even first to second Thessalonians that they continue to grow in their faith. But none of us are perfect. We all still need spiritual leaders. We need men and women of God in our lives to help protect mature what is lacking in the lives of the saints. None of us will reach perfection here. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul says that he had not arrived, but he does one thing, forgetting those things which are behind and moving forward. All of us need godly men and women to continue to perfect what is lacking in our faith. That's what we all need. And we need to increase and we need to abound. The Thessalonians were in first Thessalonians four, nine and 10, but concerning brotherly love. Notice this. There's no need that I should write to you for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed, You do so toward all the brethren who are in Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. And then when you transition over to 2 Thessalonians, you find that they had our two main points for today. Number one, energize your spiritual leaders by remaining steadfast in the faith. We that are called pastors have been given a heart by God to see you mature. And when you do mature and you stand fast in the faith, they're energized. So energize your spiritual leaders by remaining steadfast in the faith. In other words, you need to make that commitment Let a man deny himself. No longer about you. Get over yourself. Let him take up the cross. Be willing to die for Christ because Christ did die for you. And then the present tense command. Follow. Keep on following me, says Jesus. That's where you need to be. Number two, thank God for the saints growth, seeking their complete maturity thank god for all that he's done in the lives of those to whom you minister but as you are thanking him seek to complete their maturity got to spend time with them you got to teach them the word of god you have to pray with them and for them you need a model for them christ 
to give them an example to continually follow. Do those two things and be obedient to the word of God. Let's pray. Father, I want to say thanks for the heart of Paul. He cared so much for the saints. You brought them to life with good news that the Thessalonian saints were thriving and it energized Paul. Thank you. Thank you as well that we are to give you the praise that you deserve as we seek to mature the saints. Help us to forever be finding the lost and training the found for your glory. I ask in Jesus name. Amen.